0: And welcome to another episode of Making the Lemonades with me, Abby Brown, and Lossy Trick.
1: A positive news podcast proving that when life gives you lemons, there's always an opportunity to make lemonade. Slots, how are you? How's your week been? Uh, my week's been good. I moved house in a pandemic, which was uh, interesting. It was a good way to use a few days off, gave me an activity, can't complain. Um, and then I proceeded to find furniture around London, driving about in a zip car um, and picking things up in a very socially distanced manner. So yeah, it's been good. Oh, nice. The days off of not actually having days off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I did have one um, small mishap whilst picking up some furniture. I got a second um, hand vintage bedside table, which is really, really nice. And I had to carry it for a little while um, from the car to the house and it has a drawer and a cupboard and as I stopped at um, a pedestrian sort of traffic light I stopped and the drawer shot out of the bedside table and into the road um yeah and the quite quite yeah was it open so it was open no this was when I was carrying it in my hand oh, of course. so I had my Caring hand it. keeping Sorry, it, yeah. the cupboard door shut but the, I forgot there was a drawer at the top and I stopped I was obviously going at such a speed that it just caused the drawer to shoot I thought, I thought out. you were in a car <laughs>
0: Did anyone help you
1: or did you just struggle? I, I was there with my very um, lovely housemate who was carrying another piece of furniture that I had just purchased and so we sort of cobbled it together and got the parts um, which we could find so and I found, I found a little replacement for a bit of it so hopefully it will be good as new but it was just classic. How about you, oh, how's your so week good. been? Yeah good, a
0: um, bit more rugby, um, had a game yesterday, still obviously Fortunate to play. So played yesterday against Worcester, um and won, which is always always nice. Very good, very um, good. The body is very sore today. So
1: Um and starting to enjoy the sunshine. Have you had the sunshine up there?
0: Oh, it's been lovely. Yeah. That has lifted my mood. It really has. <laughs> Honestly. Although the only thing I did say, would say is that the other day I had to de-ice my car and I like, defrost it. And I was like, or I thought the sun was out. But as the day went on, it was delightful. I did think, should I have a barbecue? (laughs) Should I have one? But maybe too soon because it is still about three degrees outside.
1: So, Abby, what um, stories have you found for us this week? So
0: I mentioned it last episode about the Sri Lanka tackling period poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, Did a bit more research on it. Um, And England have actually been supplying period products to learners under the age of 19. Um, They have to apply for them like through the government and stuff. And I think there's still a long way to go with it um, to who can and can't have them. I think it's a bit tricky is what I was reading. Um, But it's also been announced, I think, last week. Um, that New Zealand have also started to um, give out to to school children and um, help kids kind of educate them and learn about their periods. Um, So the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said young people should not miss out on their education because of something that is a normal part of life for half the population. So hopefully this will increase children's school attendance and more importantly their well-being. And yeah, so the products will be available for all age groups from primary to intermediate and to high school. So a big scheme for New Zealand, but actually it's a a really good step in the right direction. That's amazing. What a woman. She is
1: just a fantastic. Yeah. um, She seems to be tackling all kinds of areas, doesn't she? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so is she is that kind of free free products within school, within institutions?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. So like the government are putting, I think it was thirteen million towards it between now and 2024 Mm. um to kind of hope obviously tackle period poverty in their country um and kind of yeah like i said educate them and but also get kids to still come into school because they have that access and it's not going to cost them anything to to do so so yeah very very good news
1: Have you ever been to Seville, or Sevilla, if you uh, want to be pretentious about it? Italy. No, that's Spain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The answer is no.
1: (laughs) Oh, these geography strikes again, fantastic. Um, So it's a really, really beautiful city in the south of Spain and it's particularly famous for the amount of oranges that are grown. Um, on the 48,000 trees across the city centre, which in the summer creates an amazing scent. But for the rest of the year, the fruit can be a bit of a nuisance and even hazardous. So um, the Guardian reported that a scheme has been launched to produce an entirely different kind of juice from the unwanted oranges, electricity. So the southern Spanish city has begun a pilot scheme to use the methane produced as the fruit ferments to generate clean electricity. The initial scheme launched by MSSSA, the Municipal Water Company, will use 35 tonnes of fruit to generate clean energy to run one of the city's water purification plants. Um, The oranges will go into an existing facility that already generates electricity from organic matter. As the oranges ferment, the methane captured will be used to drive the generator. The head of MSS's environmental department, Benigno Lopez, said, we hope that soon we will be able to recycle all the city's oranges. Um, but to achieve this, he estimates the city would need to invest about a quarter of a million euros. Are you Are you
0: drinking a coffee right now? Is the I question.
1: am. I am drinking a coffee.
0: Good to hear it. Because... Then uh, my next story, actually apparently for us coffee lovers it 's actually beneficial to our heart and can reduce our heart mm-hmm. failure risk which i 'm not going to lie as I had at that time, I think I had a coffee, so I was enjoying reading this <laughs> um, but there 's been a couple of studies so the Framingham Heart Study, which is an ongoing study that is administrated by the Heart, and Lung, heart Lung and Blood Institute, looking into heart risks. Um, was also referenced against arthrosclerosis risk and cardiovascular health study to help confirm their findings. And each of these studies included 10 years of follow-ups, which 10 years of reliable source I'm going to take. So <laughs> the study found that the risk of heart failure over the course of decades decreased by 5 to 12% per cup per day of coffee compared with no coffee consumption. Whilst the atherosclerosis study, God, my pronunciation's not got better each week. <laughs> um, <laughs> this study found that the reduced risk of heart failure was 30% by drinking at least two cups a day than those who drank none. So obviously someone who drinks a lot of caffeine, it's quite nice to, he- nice to hear that I'm actually helping, helping the heart. And although there's not like enough research with it as like to recommend it with obviously like the non-smoking and taking up exercise, I'm going to take it. I'm going to continue drinking my coffees. And yeah, you're You're probably doing better. Yeah, you're probably doing better than I am because you drink black coffees, whereas I quite like my milk. But I don't think milk's that bad for you. But I
1: think everything in in moderation. For sure did, did Is there any at, de- Detail about kind of the science And what in it Is is reducing The rates? Of- no it
0: didn't really But it basically okay. just said That people think it's really bad Because of like the heart population And like the blood pressure <laughs> the, heart, the heart what? Palp- palp- palpation What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> And here we are, on another episode of making lemonade on how to pronounce things.
1: <laughs> palpitations,
0: palpitations, and bad boys. And everyone thought it was like really bad for like blood pressure and stuff. But actually, it's good. Don't know why. Didn't really say why to be honest with you. But it just basically said it reduces the heart risk. Heart failure they,
1: risk. Did they give kind of a a sense of measurement? So sort of one cup a day can reduce. Because I feel like someone hearing this and then going and drinking 10 cups a day will also have negative impacts so is there some sort of guidance for that or
0: yeah i think if i'm honest it's between like your ones and your three and did you just make that up (laughs) i did pluck it but i also remember reading something between like don't have basically more than like your fives five coffees a day
1: five (laughs) coffees a day Right, so Dr. Abby Box, is... I
0: think I have at least
1: three. Yeah, so you're trying to make yourself better by saying five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, not that high, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, well, you know,
0: I don't have any sugars or syrups and stuff with it because that obviously isn't good for the heart as much, mm. obviously, in moderation, like you said. I mean, hey, I'm going to take it and I'm going to keep drinking my coffee and enjoy the experience and know that my heart is being looked after. <laughs>
1: Is what I took from that. <laughs> I'm going to say I would like more, more information on this story. All right. I'll go back to you on Thank how... You. I'd like to um, know where the, where the tipping point is between... Okay. Peak. Yeah. Because there's similar things been said about red wine. Something which I really run with, you know, a glass today. <laughs> very European fashion uh, with dinner. Yeah, You know, iron been got antioxidants and all that good thing but then suddenly if you're drinking a bottle a day oh that's that's uh that's dangerous so yeah where's the tipping point all right i will get
0: back to you on a tipping point next week (laughs)
1: Thank (laughs) you. so we are quickly approaching the milestone of lockdown measures in the uk being in place for about a year um, we know how difficult it's been to entertain ourselves with social distancing measures in place but it's even more so for those with children and the children themselves who may not obviously understand completely what's going on um, and so with the reality of varying levels of support from schools across the country and um, the ability to entertain children has become even more apparent and arguably quite expensive if you're trying to Purchasing new things or games or downloading apps and stuff to ensure that everyone is busy. Um, But this uh, second-hand toy app called Young Planet enables parents to put no longer used children's toys and things and sort of plates and high chairs uh, to good use with new families um, and out of landfill for free. So um, how does it work? Young Planet combines... Transactional functionality with sharing economy principles. Users list unwanted items on the app or look for items they may want or need. In the latter case, they make contact with the giver and exchange messages to arrange the exchange either in person, at a drop off location, or via the post or courier. Um, So, essentially, a similar concept to Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree or something, but you're not exchanging money. Um, The app launched last summer and in February it passed the milestone of 25,000 downloads and has found it found new homes for 8,500 items reducing demand for new toys and saving many old ones from entering landfill. If you're looking to find some unwanted toys a new home during a time when donating to charity shops is not possible this might be worth checking out.
0: So following on from your app you just mentioned, there's been some teams that have won an award for setting up a dementia app. Hmm. Um, so stay with me on this one. It's a little bit long-winded, but oh, there's some amazing like, couple of stories <laughs> within it. <laughs> have you ever heard of Technovation? No. I didn't, but I did a bit of research with it. Um, and it's a global tech non-profit organisation that empowers girls and families to become leaders, creators or and problem solvers. So they have Technovation girls or Technovation families, um, which then bring kids and adults together to solve big problems within their communities. So the girls work within teams with support of like volunteer mentors to code mobile apps and basically address any real world problems. So this is exactly what three Nigerian Irish teenage girls have done in Ireland. Joy Nujikui, who is 17, and Rachel Akno, who's 15, and Margaret Akno, who is 17, have created an app that has hit 62 different countries with the help of their mentor, Evelyn Nameo. Now, Nameo is doing a PhD in computer science and statistics. She noticed that she was the only female and a female of colour in her class and obviously wanted to do something about it. Um, so she founded Phased Innovate, whose mission is to mentor and train underrepresented minorities in the fields of tech and business. So she's not only supporting these three teenage girls, she's actually found her own um, almost business with it, which is really cool. Um, She wanted to help set this this dementia app up because her own mother went through it and she basically was concerned how many people were dealing with this condition during the lockdown phases. Uh, So then she helped mentor Joy, Rachel and Margaret, developing an app to help um, the patients and the caregivers better navigate the confusing waters of the disease. So the app is geared towards helping the patient with the difficulties associated with dementia so speech impairment, loss of memory and a diminished capacity of recognition. This app also has a music playlist with a built-in facial and vocal recognition the users can tune to their specific moods and also a reach out function. So if in case of emergency situation. Um, There's also which I found was really quite sweet, is like a photo wallet. So it has any photos of important people in their lives. Um, and so they can look back on it. And then also memory games to help improve cognitive functions and also reminders if the patient's taking any medication, a reminder pops up that they need to take it. Um, so obviously there's lots that have gone into this app and obviously for them to win a win award as well is uh, pretty impressive. One of the girls told the BBC, our aim is to just help as many people as possible. We hope that our app can go global one day and reach millions of people who are affected by dementia and just make their lives somewhat easier.
1: So, this is another slight Disney esque story for you. This time, I love it. <laughs> this time, starring a fox, a deer, and a dog. Um, so, the BBC recently reported a story of a blind fox cub who had more than 150 ticks, um, who was rescued and brought to the Nuneaton and Warwickshire Wildlife Sanctuary, run by Jeff Grucock. So things didn't look for the cub, now known as Woody, but Mr. Grewcock stayed up at night to feed him every two hours to ensure that he pulled through, um, which he did. However, the vet confirms that this little fox was about 90% blind. Um, so Mr. Grucock um, had to treat him just like a blind person. And because of his sight, he now stays inside of the house and is a, a house fox, which is oh, wow. a thing. <laughs> Woody now eats his meals with Grugok's greyhound Aula and hangs out with his deer. Are you okay? Oh, God. Hangs out with. Are you going to cry on me? I'm I'm laughing. laughing?
0: I'm
1: laughing. No no tears. Okay, good. Um, When Grugok takes Woody and Aula out for walks, people ask what breed of dog he is. Um, and Grucock has said admiring he is an outstanding fox and he thinks that he is a dog so there we go <laughs> does
0: um, this fox act like a dog
1: yeah and knocks around in his house and there's pictures of him going about with the deer and the dog um, and Mr. Grucock turned his non-eating garden into a wildlife sanctuary after he retired as a security guard in 2001. And since then, he and his family and supporters have helped 62,000 animals using his pension to fund a lot of the costs. Wow. So we That's added safe. a little box to the ranks. So well done, Mr. Grucock for saving little Woody.
0: So, following on from the fox and the dog, Mm -hmm. I've actually got another animal story for you. Oh,
1: fantastic.
0: Um, Did you hear about Texas last week getting hit by the big storm?
1: I did.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, they went, if those who didn't, um, millions of people in Texas were hit with the storm and went without electricity and power um, and were struggling to stay warm. Um, but it also affected animals in the surrounding area so a sea turtle rescue center in texas started to save cold stunned turtles which is basically when the turtles are exposed to cold water for long periods of time and then it can obviously result in hypothermic reactions so again the nonprofit organization took to facebook to ask for any help in there's some generators medical tape and any snacks for the volunteers so the generators were needed obviously for the to keep the water warm in the tanks when the turtles were obviously rescued so that they could survive. Um, last Sunday, they started saving 500 turtles. And by the Tuesday, they had saved over 2,500 turtles wow. in one of this one rescue centre. So lots of people worked very hard. <laughs> um, some diff- so many different commercial centres reached out to the rescue centre, including Elon Musk's aerospace company, SpaceX. reached out and sent over a large generator to keep the turtles warm and yeah so Wendy Knight the executive director of the centre said there are no words to explain the gratitude we have that came to us in our darkest hour of need and even better the Sunday has just gone the turtles released the turtles were released back into the ocean after an exhausting 24-hour effort that went on through the night Sea Turtle Incorporate was successfully able to release more than 2,200 previously cold sun turtles back into the open ocean of the Gulf of Mexico. And have oh, you seen that video online? No. Of them going down the slide? <laughs> what, the turtles or people? the, tur- no, the turtles. Oh. So they're also on a boat and there's like a chute. Um, and they just basically put the turtle on it, sit down and straight into the water wow <laughs> it's quite cute um but yeah credit to those people that worked super hard to save all those turtles because obviously they probably wouldn't have survived if it was absolutely extended, so. and i'll send you that video as well because it's quite cute
1: please do um amazingly didn't know this was the case but i also have a story from texas during the same period um Lovely. So as you say, millions of people were struggling to access water or at least hot water and electricity, with 14 million people under boil water orders um, in the wake of the storm because it froze pipes um, and created chaos for water treatment facilities. According to the Positive News Network, during this period, one man, Jim Mattress Mac McIngvale, opened two of his gallery furniture locations. As impromptu warming stations. So over the course of 72 hours, um, Mattress Mac and his crew provided 3000 plus meals and overnight accommodation to more than 700 Houston residents after offering shelter to the community on the store's website. Um, so he, you can see pictures that he has just opened the stores, but obviously there'll be sofas and beds and things. And he has allowed people to come in, um, to stay there to shelter, which is lovely. Um, and this is not the first time that he's offered salvation to those in need in 2005 during hurricane Katrina. And in 2017 during hurricane Harvey, um, the mattress Mac helped those in need. And so while the store has a diesel run generator to provide electricity, with only a single functional water pipe, plumbing became a critical issue, um, because, as well as the obvious, but also ensuring COVID-19 protocols were followed. It added a real layer of complexity having that many people in one space. Imagine. But him and his staff rose to the occasion, rigging a solution to meet the plumbing demand, and also ensuring that um, visitors were wearing masks and they observed proper social distancing measures before settling in. And they were supplied wow. with warm meals and they could watch TV and get some, some rest. So, really amazing. Oh, we, need some, we need
0: people like that in the world, don't we? Absolutely. There are,
1: there. there are. And when he was interviewed by the Washington Post, he said, obviously there's a lot of angst among the community coming in here. They're shell-shocked. They've been home for days in the cold with no electricity, no heat and no plumbing. We've benefited from public support over the years, so it's our obligation to open our doors and let people come in to get a respite from the storm. It's the right thing to do. And if you're inspired by the Mattress Max kindness, you can donate on his GoFundMe page um, to help alleviate the ongoing storm-related impact on his community.
0: My last story for you today is about the Tennessee River, Um, supposedly it's one of the dirtiest rivers in the USA, um, but has recently found volunteers removed £9,000 of rubbish in just under three days, well just three days. Um, Kathleen Gibby, Executive Director of Keep the Tennessee River Beautiful, said it's been truly inspiring for us to see these change makers take action. Especially the local leadership from Johnsonville State Historic Park. So, they did another clean in October where they gathered over 4,000 pounds of trash and already have another event planned in April. So, and hoping to collect 100,000 pounds of rubbish from the river by the end of the year. So, everyone's obviously doing their little bit, um, but I couldn't believe how many rubbish bags there was. So, I did some calculations and <laughs> I thought, my pounds, I'm not great at it. And this could be wrong, but I'm really hoping it's right. So, say each, ba- each bag weighed around 22 pounds. So it's about 10 kilograms, okay? So 9,000 pounds is 4,082 kilograms. Yes, it's very very specific there. Um, so roughly, they filled over 482 bags of rubbish in three days. 482 bags of rubbish. That's mad. Um... But I mean it's good that it's now obviously been removed, but it's mm-hmm. mad that it was even there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they still like yeah, we've still got so much more to do and it's like, yeah, pretty mad really. But it's getting done and they're trying to get the Tennessee River back to its beautiful state. Amazing.
1: That's fantastic. And so who who was that started with?
0: The keep Tennessee Keep the Tennessee River beautiful. Hmm. So it's like a yeah, like a charity that obviously are trying to keep the river beautiful yeah it's very much says in the name
1: yeah (laughs) that's fantastic what a good use of time and hopefully we will get to enjoy the beauty of the Tennessee River once again Said that it takes a village to raise a child but what if that village is not accessible to you? That has been the reality for so many women over the last year as they have experienced pregnancy in the first few months of motherhood during a global pandemic. And this unique experience has been captured in a new book, Born in Lockdown. So this has been created by Mothership Writers, a creative writing programme for new mothers, which was founded two years ago before the emergence of COVID-19. As reported by Positive.News, the pandemic added poignancy to the project. And in 2020, founder Hall decided to gather accounts of what it was like to become a mother during lockdown. Mums were asked to write in short fragments, thoughts scribbled during the haze of night feeds or captured via voice notes, while out pounding the pavements with unsettled newborns. So originally, they thought they could collect about 20 mother's um, stories and thoughts, um, but word of the project spreads and the resulting ebook um, has is featuring 277 new mums' um, thoughts. Their words are gonna be published verbatim and unedited, so it's very much raw um, kind of. Emotions being represented. The ebook is free to download with voluntary donations being accepted for the charity. Sans, which supports those affected by the death of a baby, within 24 hours of its launch uh, on Tuesday, just, just being, it had been downloaded 2,000 times and had raised £2,700. Founder Hall said, as the fragments started arriving in my inbox, a feeling of excitement was building inside me. There were urgent dispatches from the front line of mothering during a pandemic, pitch perfect articulations of personal experience, 50 word pieces that captured moments and emotions that were so raw, affecting and inspiring. My tears streamed as I saved each one. That was when I knew we were making something good, really good. So if you want to find out more about the Reactive Writing Programme or download the ebook and donate to the charity, you can simply go to mothershipwriters.com um, forward slash born in lockdown, which I think I definitely will be doing because it sounds like a really beautiful concept. And I can't even imagine having um, a child during this and, and not being able to see your immediate family and having that support, which I understand is really, really vital. So Hopefully this is something beautiful and creative that's come out of a really challenging time. Thanks so much uh, for listening to episode four of Making Lemonade. Please tell your friends and subscribe and be sure to tune in to hear Abby's thoughts on how much coffee we really should be drinking before we start to damage our hearts and i will give a read to that ebook and give a give a review to to let you know what it's all about thank you so much everyone for tuning in don't forget if you want to
0: read up any more of what we've spoken about today to have a look in the show notes and we'll be back with more news in the next couple of weeks in march if you can believe it we're already in march oh, wow in march Wow. (laughs)
1: That's how calendars work.
0: Fantastic. Speak to you soon. (laughs) Speak to you later.